This evening, we're going to sit down. We're going to have a little bit of a different conversation. We do these things now that are called the break room. And that is a day where we step back from politics. We take a break and we actually have conversations about other things. As the two of us were just sitting here having a conversation before we started, talk radio back in the day, at least when I was a kid, which doesn't really feel that long ago, but uh, oddly enough, that's that's the way that it is. When I was a kid, talk radio was about a multitude of things. It wasn't about politics, not all the time. I mean, very seldomly did you ever hear about politics. But now... I think that uh, podcasting has kind of become the new uh, the new talk radio or the one of the new mediums of what it used to be, as in you pick a specific subject and then you go with it. Well, I like the fact that we have our own forum here. We have our own medium. We can put out whatever we like on there as far as content. And again, it's nice to take a break from politics. And the two guys that I have in here with us today, I, I don't want to talk about politics. Unfortunately, Bruce is not here because he has Thanksgiving today, as do most of the Americans. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you. But uh, today, of course, we have our sound producer, Brian. Brian, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here once again. Fantastic. Good to see you, so to speak. <laughs> and we have a longtime friend of mine going on about, it's, it's been about, what, 10 years now? 10 years, Carlos? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, eight, eight, 10 years, yeah. Eight, 10 years, yeah. Carlos is a uh, is a DJ from the United Kingdom, and uh, he's going to be uh, discussing or taking part in our discussion tonight on the topic that we want to discuss, and that is music. So let's go ahead and step into the break room. Where would you guys like to start? Carlos, I tell you what, you're the guest of honor. Let's start with you. Where where would you like to start? In the manners of music, in in the modern age, and I know Brian, I talked to you a little bit offline just briefly about, you know, which way you wanted to go. I know you wanted to go the classic route in certain respects, and I would love to do that. We'll we'll definitely get into that, but I thought I would uh, yield to uh, to the guest of honor this evening and uh, let Carlos start. Carlos, where, where would you like to start? What's most important to you uh, when it comes to music? I mean, you've you traveled all over. You've performed in, in many different countries, many different European countries. To you, what comes to mind when it comes to you? What What is your passion when it comes to music? So I, I guess one of the topics I've been following most recently is the the legal ownership of music. Who owns the rights to the music that's produced? And I think uh, it was something we was kind of talking about the other day. Uh, I think we was talking about other topics, and this one sort of came in is, uh, you know, when people are broadcasting now, um, you know, who who owns the license to broadcast music? Who owns the rights to the music? And what can happen in certain situations where music or any kind of licensed is used inappropriately, I guess. And I use the word inappropriately very loosely, I think, at this point. I think we were kind of referring to the uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which some people are starting to get hit with that, most notably on like streaming platforms. As everything's the, everything's gone on with uh, with coronavirus and COVID and everything like that, lockdowns and, and everything, things have gone virtual. And, you know, naturally, I mean, we're, we're working in the virtual world every day. And, you know, we're doing what we do here in the virtual world. We're very fortunate that we actually have this ability to do this. It's a new era to be able to do this kind of stuff. But DJs, for example, yes, going on to uh, 
uh, streaming platforms such as, you know, be it uh, Twitch or uh, Rumble or YouTube or, or one of these uh, streaming platforms, they get hit with exactly what you're talking about when they play certain music. If it's not of their own music, if they play something else, then they get hit with that. And a lot of people are getting sent emails. I, I know that uh, Amazon's sending out massive emails now because they're getting into the streaming stuff. And well, they bought, uh, they acquired Twitch. They're doing a deal now with their own streaming stuff. Look, I, I'm of the opinion like this. If, if you're an artist and you produce something and you make it available, just charge a flat fee. But the, the way that you can do the licensing for it, for example, the... Um, uh, some of the intros we have around here, not all of them, but some of the intros we have around here are made by record companies. And the way that we have the rights to use those is we purchase a certain license that gives us the ability to use those in the manner that we do. And so uh, I think if you were to do that uh, in certain respects, or if you had, for example, a, um, I don't know, some kind of a service that's, that would offer you to pay a subscription fee, for example to have an unlimited amount of music that is put up there by the artists, by the record companies, that might solve a lot of problems as well. But uh, to be fair, I, I really don't know if there's a one size fits all uh, that would fix this problem. I think it's, I mean, to be fair, when you put music out, I'm sorry, but if you buy that music, you have the rights to play it. Now, th does that mean that you can go around and bootleg it like in the days of Napster, you know, back in the day? No, it's not what that means. But I think that if you, if you're an artist and you put it out and you just charge for it, it's that simple. I mean, this was the biggest problem in the days of like what I mentioned with Napster, where you could just download whatever music you wanted all those years ago. But then as digital times, uh, you know, digital times came along, Apple iPods and such, it was what, a dollar a song, a pound a song, so something like that, two pounds a song, something like that, or thirteen ninety nine for the, the whole album. Why not just do that? The thing is, the main issue here is to, um, is to label themselves. The artists are in no way in control on how their music is, the distribution of the music, they have no control over it. And the labels want to make, they want to be able to profit from like every single way it's being distri distributed, like in, in a YouTube video or on a stream, like they want to collect every penny of that. And the artists can't do anything about it than just deal with it. And that's very unfortunate. Although, however, like in this era, we kind of, we, we're slowly, Moving away from it, though, however, we are seeing a lot of more websites that allows you to pay a monthly or a yearly fee where you can upload your music and they'll distribute it to Spotify and such. And what this, also, this website also allows you to do is being able to create your own licensing. Uh, if I'm correct, DistroKid has this, which allows you to what would you call it, uh, whitelist people, I guess, where you can make like a tiny little contract thing and you say, well, these persons right here, we made a personal term or an agreement that they're allowed to use this on their Twitch, on their YouTube, and so on, so on forever. But you can't do this with labels because there's, there's just so much at stake with labels because you have too many artists, too many songs, too many albums. And the only way for... Twitch platform, uh, the platform, for example, other all the other streaming platforms to be able to freely use these materials is to make a contract with the label itself. But that would be so costly with the amount of music that's you know has been uh, distributed in those labels. Uh, you wouldn't be able to license one thousand, ten thousand songs, uh, considering like one song itself um, would be thousands of dollars, probably. Um, considering the big labels have big artists and that's how they charge depending who the artist is 
And that's, I think that's the main problem. If we could move away from it, which we slowly are again, like I, I would be totally okay with my music distributed for Twitch. I wouldn't have no problem with someone streaming it. As long as I know that it's been purchased legitimately, that would be totally fair for me. Because at the end of the day, someone's going to end up on that channel and they're going to say, I like that song. And that's going to bring me another consumer. And for me, that's a win. That's all I care about. Just I want people to recognize me. I think I think the problem that you, the the issue or the, the other part of it um, is that a lot of these streaming services now have some form of monetization associated with them. Um, so, you know, as examples, you've got Twitch where you can subscribe, you can tip, you've got YouTube, exactly the same format. Um, you've got advertising where, again, not necessarily the uh, the content creator on those platforms are necessarily earning money, but the, the actual platform itself is earning. And all that money that either content or platform is earning is not going to the record label. They're missing out. So that's, yeah, so that's where, and I say it is about money for those people that, you know, and that's a lot of money that the, that those record labels are missing out on. So yeah, they, they'll put in the, all the different DMCA requests and everything, which, yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. It's, but it's kind of like you're saying, like, unless they've bought the music, yeah, and you can show you bought the music, yeah, I, I'd probably be in the same boat. I'd be happy for people to, to play any music that if I created, yeah, providing they've got it through legitimate. But I think what happens then is, especially when you've got, again, YouTube, Twitch, SoundCloud is another example. That's that was one of the ones I started seeing, uh, you know, ten years or so ago. Where if you was doing anything, you know, or even just sampling little bits of audio from another uh, from another record, use it instant strike, instant bands and stuff. Oh, where was I going with this? Probably wanted to talk yeah, about I, how, how we split the profits because that's that's one of the issues. Is the way because if streamers make money, other that's that's the main purpose of having a license. The license is for the people who make profitable content. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So the, the license that you buy is for personal use. Uh, I think that's where I was going. I think the problem is with those services, like again, your your Twitch, SoundCloud, Twitch, SoundCloud, YouTube is they're not just you watch it or you watch it live and that is it. It's recorded. Yeah, and there's plenty of tools out there that will then allow people, you know, and it's not going to be good quality, but that it will allow people to go to certain websites to go, actually, here's here's a song that I heard somebody play live. Can you download that? And now I've got an illegitimate copy of that track that I can continue playing. And then again, that's less money that the record label is earning. So, yeah, I, I kind of, from a business sense, I understand it from a moral sense. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand it from both sides. As as both of you that produce music as you do, you've both clearly said if anyone were to take music that you would put out there, so long as someone would acquire a license for it or or the you know to pay for it for content that you actually produced, you would have no problem with that. Yeah, and I think that's where the other issue is. It's it's not necessarily. I think it's happened, or I've seen it um, a few times where the the artist or the the producer of the record, the artist will come out and say, I'm happy for you to play it. But unfortunately, as you know, yes, they are the the original or yet yeah, they are the original owner of that material. They are not technically the legal owner anymore. They signed that legal right to own that music when they signed that contract with the record label. So, yeah, unfortunately, then it's yeah, like say the artist can say, yeah, I'm happy for you to do that 
whatever you want, but it depends on what is signed in that contract. It's what that contract says can be done with that music. Uh, there are some record labels, I think, that do allow that, that do allow a producer, the original creator, to have some say over what happens with their with their songs. And there's others that it, at the moment you sign that song over to that record label, you have lost 100% rights over that content. I actually use, yeah, I actually use something similar to what you just described. The actual, the uh, the label itself allows you to use, but it's a consortium of everyone that's in that label. So you can use anybody. They've authorized to anybody. However, all you have to do, and it's free. They produce their content and they put it out for free. You're not allowed to use their, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, like their, um, you guys would know this. Their, uh, like if they put out a, a single that's like a, a big hit, like a... Um, uh, a headliner or something like that. You can't use any of those, but they have specific ones that they put out that you're allowed to use. And like I said, I, I use some of that for other purposes, but all you have to do, all that all they ask you to do is to give credit to the record label itself. That's it. So what about a situation like that where a company produces content, a record label per, and, and their artists produce the content, they give it out for free, but then they turn around and they say, okay, well, we'll we're authorizing anyone to use this. All you have to do, all we're asking is that you give us credit for that. So where does the algorithm play a part then? Because that's what's, I think that's what you're alluding to in all this is that's with YouTube, with SoundCloud, with Twitch, the algorithm is actually dinging people and, and striking people that is playing music like that or that is playing music, they say, okay, well, there's there's a copyright problem here, so it'll be cut off. But what about content that's out there that's free to use that you're giving credit for? That's a good question. Again, yeah, I guess it depends. Again, is the content being purchased where the record label is making money from it or not? I know there's a couple of examples. I won't name them, but I know there's some that have started to... Well, Twitch is one of them. Twitch have started to come up with their own music streaming platform designed for content creators where you can yeah and I, I'm, I'm not really too familiar with the ins and outs of what that really involves because I, I typically don't play music like I've started to stream I don't typically play music because of this whole reason um, but I know there are some uh, Twitch have started doing that. I think there's one or two other uh, two independent growing type services that are appearing where because they make money from elsewhere they can put out this sort of platform for free uh, and as like Johnny um, said, as long as there's some form of credit in there, whether it's a, a little label inside, you know, on their web page or on the video, like a little watermark to say, I give credit to these artists who are allowing me to use this music. So, yeah, there's, and I, th I think you're going to see two different sorts. I, th I think that the one that we've just spoken about, I think, is the one that's going to be up and coming, probably used a lot more frequently to combat the the DMCA stuff. Uh, and you'll see it a lot more coming. The other one, unfortunately, the process for that is very outdated. I, I think you actually touched on it a bit earlier, uh, Brian, where you could buy a, a broadcasting license. Um, and, and you see, uh, especially in the UK, you see it anyway. So, for example, you've got restaurants, you have bars, you've got nightclubs, uh, radio stations, they all bar, they'll purchase a broadcasting license, which allows them to play all of these songs. And unfortunately, it's just not reached the digital age yet. Uh, and until that does, I think that's where the other services are going to come in. Let's get into the actual music culture itself right now. We, I think we all have our own opinions on this. I mean, I, I don't know about the two of you, but um, I mean, we were kind of tossing around here before we started. Brian, you said something to me about Cardi B and I said, who in the, who in the world is that? 
I remember that uh, Bruce had sent me uh, a video of this, uh, whatever her name is, and she was jumping around in the music video and, and really not saying much of any words of English and rubbing parts of her body and stuff like that. And I'm at 30 seconds of that. And I said, this is garbage. I, I can't even watch this. You know, I, I look at music. Yeah, you're laughing, Carlos. <laughs> you know, I look at music today. And, no, seriously. I, I mean, I look at it and... And I can't, I, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not that old. I'm not up there in age that much and neither are the two of you, but I feel like I can't identify with music these days. I identify with certain, th- certain aspects of music. For example, classic rock. Uh, I, I never even really got into the eighties too much. There's jazz music that I like. There's classical music that I like big band music and, and things of like the, uh, the days of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. And Frank Sinatra and all that stuff. I mean, everybody knows those names, but this stuff, this, this stuff that's out there now, I mean, I, I just can't even identify with that stuff. I, I don't even, I don't even recognize any of that stuff as actual music. It's just, it's noise. It's, it's, it's crap. I know that things have progressed. The era of like my parents, they say that the stuff that when I was growing up was crap. Well, you know, can't really argue with that. This stuff today, you know, all the voice changing and, and all that stuff. It's just, I, I can't even listen to it. I, I get in the car. And I turn it on. You know how the radio always kicks up to like the first default station or whatever it is before I can even get myself situated, get the safety belt on and everything and get the seat adjusted and all that stuff. And I'm having to hit the mute button on the actual car radio because it's just so terrible. It hurts my head just to hear it. I don't know about the two of you, but um, me personally, I I can't I can't identify with any of this stuff. I I think that the music culture has in, in a lot of respects. I think it's it's been it's just been absolutely ruined been absolutely ruined i completely agree uh yeah i grew up listening to what would be in my time considered what everyone was listening to the mainstream music you know um rap 50 cent snoop dogg i i used to love rap and hip-hop back in the day but the the way music works is whatever template the big artists are using is just like they use recycle it like everyone starts doing the same thing and once once they started changing it for the first time of what today is called trap rap or trap hip-hop i don't know what people call it but that's essentially the rap music today we hear because rap the rap that was from the early 90s doesn't exist anymore no one does it it's outdated it's boring it's no one cares about the message either because politics no one wants to take part of it anymore so everyone shifted towards this one template where we have some a lot of simplicity, kick, snare, a little hi-hat, and maybe we can auto-tune the voice, and that's about it. And the lyrics are simplified, you know, they, they have no meaning at all nowadays. They have no political message. Like, what, what rap used to be was the struggle of um, Black American citizens. Um, you know, they've been uh, obviously oppressed uh, for a long time. And that's what rap essentially was at the beginning, um, trying to to get that out there for people to understand. And nowadays, it's like we pro- like it's the complete opposite. Like today's use violence, sex, drugs, everything they built is just crash all the way down. It's like they have stuff on the bottom now. That's a huge blow for music, in my opinion. I don't enjoy it anymore. And as as a producer, perspective from a pr- producer perspective too. It kind of hurts because I don't feel like my, the type of music I would do is like people wouldn't like it because their, their ears are so in tune with the simplicity of music. 
that they they're not they can't they hear a melody and it's too much for for them like they can't handle a melody nowadays i mean for, for the most part i i agree with brian especially when it comes to i mean i'm not a big fan of rap hip-hop um i used to listen to it a little bit but i was never really that big on it um but yeah i mean if, if you take that as a perfect example of a genre that's just to me that's yeah it's from what it used to be to what it is now is the two completely different things and it's ruined um even even mainstream uh a lot of the mainstream stuff as well uh i used to for me, music was about exploring. I would listen to the local radio nine to five, at, you know, either at school or at work or traveling to and from places. And it's like, okay, might not be big on that song. It's, it's listenable. I might enjoy it. Okay, great. But then when it came to, say, going out in nightclubs, I didn't want to hear that stuff that I listened. I spent, you know, if you've had the radio on eight hours a day, as background noise at work or whatever, why would I want to listen to the same songs that have already been repeated three or four times throughout that day and then go to a nightclub? You don't just go to one nightclub throughout a night. You probably go to, again, three, four, five, six different places. And in every place that you go to, you hear that same song repeated in every bar. So you then hear it about another six, seven, eight times. So I've listened to the same song 15 times in a day nearly. And it's like, why? What? Uh, why would why do I want to, I want to go out and hear new music? I want to hear undiscovered music, uh, and and for and you know and to begin with that was the case. But over the last 10, 15 years, no, it's and even as a even as somebody who's D, who's DJed as well, when I go out and when I play music, I would play stuff that either hadn't been released yet, or you know was probably about a year or so ahead of its time, or just listen to something that not many people would have heard of, and. Some people, you know, if you've got like-minded people, loved it. But then you would have the, the, the sort of people that were happy to listen to that same song 15 times a day. And it's like, no, I, I just, it's it's actually one of the reasons why I stopped doing it. Because I just couldn't, I just, I just couldn't, it was, I started to dislike that music anyway that I was hearing four or five times a day. Yeah, and like, uh, as Brian said, it's, it's not even original anymore. I mean, how many songs are coming out at the moment where... There's probably been a you know where the vocals have already been used about in ten different songs already. It, it's it's yeah. not none of it is original content anymore. It's just let's just take the same riff from a track ten years ago and just put that on loop, and then we'll take some vocals from a song that was produced a couple of years ago, and then we'll just put the two together uh, and actually make some money off it. I mean that's what uh, mashups were, weren't they? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it was. So you had things like Jay Z and Linkin Park, you know, getting smashed together, and it's like. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, you're trying to go another way with it, but it's the same stuff, and everyone's heard it. Or they they took um, what was it like uh, Disturbed and and uh, Phil Collins or something like that. It's like you, you can't mess with Phil Collins like that, you know. <laughs> you you just can't do it. I saw Phil Collins live uh, a couple of years ago before all this uh, this crap went on, but uh, yeah, that JC and uh, Lincoln Park mashup was was really a banger, though. That was a really good one. If you're talking it about was, the numb, yeah. So for me, I, I listened to a few Lincoln Park. I was I'm never I was never really big on that genre. Like the the I guess it's rock, I guess or or some form of rock. And I was never really into it. I never really liked the shouting um, of the songs. But then when I heard the two together, 
I was like, I actually really like this. And that actually got me listening to Linkin Park more than what I did before that. Do you think that, uh, and, I, and I know that uh, that you dabble in, in this particular genre, and I, I don't, I, honestly, I, I've never actually talked to you about it, uh, Brian, but because uh, I know you're, you're more into like the rock stuff. Let's look at like uh, techno, progressive house and, and things like that. This is, you say that there's not any original stuff. And, and I know some people uh, here where I'm at, uh, I know them personally that are, uh, that are, uh, house DJs and they come up with all kinds of stuff. And by the way, before we started, I was admiring your uh, your turntables you got there behind you on the shelf there. That's what they do. They take all different aspects of of music. They'll take sound from just you know a tap on the desk or you know a door closing or. Uh, a telephone ringing or something, and they will stretch this out with the software and everything that you can do these days and the digital turntables and everything that you have that I think the most prominent ones are made by Pioneer, their DJ systems. With all of this technology and all these mixing boards and all this virtual stuff that we've got now, you really can make music out of all of this stuff. And to be honest with you, I think, and this is just me personally, I think that that genre in particular is regaining popularity from what it was, say, from back in the 90s. The reason is, is because of, I think, what you said is it is a new kind of sound. They've re-engineered that sound. You have artists that are coming up out of nowhere now because of all the different mediums we have now, like Twitch, like YouTube, like uh, SoundCloud and all the rest of it. And you can purchase this equipment now for your home that 15, 20 years ago would have cost tens of thousands of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever. I mean, look at what we do now. I mean, all of this stuff, say 10 years ago, none of us would have been able to afford this kind of stuff. I mean, we could have, but it was really expensive. Now you can pick it up for almost nothing and it's professional quality gear. So I personally think that when you look at that genre in particular, you find people from all over. It's not just one particular group uh, or one particular uh, culture of people that you run into. You run into people from all different countries, all different cultures that adopt this music and they find common ground. They, like, they find a commonality in, in all of this because it's sound, it's rhythm that resonates with people rather than just a repeat of everything that we're sitting here talking about from all the other genres that we're seeing. I just I just want to correct you there, Johnny. You said that was rock orientated. I love everything. Like uh, when it comes okay. to my right. when it comes to my producing, um, I do everything li- uh, literally. Um, I'm heavily inspired by 80s, 90s, the, the digital era, um, what now would be considered synthwave. Um, although I'm I like to take inspiration from metal, so I like to bring like on some heavy synths and stuff going on there, trying to make my own sound. The electronic music is the goldmine of music right now, in my opinion. There is so much out there that's just undiscovered. It's great. Um, even from my perspective, my greatest work is not a house song. It's not electronic. I don't even I don't know what I can call it. It's literally a track I made. That I didn't like, I, w- I wasn't satisfied satisfied with how it sounded. So what I did, I just reversed it and brought the tempo to ten, copied the file, stretched things differently, and it became a drone. And it was Jesus. I thought I was going to heaven. I thought God was speaking to me. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's when I that's when I went on a quest. I want to find more music like this. And once you enter like that quest, when you started and you start digging, you start looking through like you, you search on youtube like atmospheric music or whatever comes to your mind there's so much music out there that's it's not anything like what you heard today on radio and i think that's something everyone should learn of like 
don't be afraid of being different. Like music is supposed to be something personal. I don't want to have the same music taste as my neighbor or my best friends. I don't care what their preference is. Music for me is like reading a book. We can have different opinions. And that's essentially what music is for me. It's, it's an experience. Uh, if it's not an experience to me, it's not good. And that's why I can't relate with today's music because everyone's just repeating the same thing over again. They're reading the same line from the same book, literally. You know, the best-selling book, and they're just repeating it all over again. Just changing the cover. That's all. Let's switch over to your uh, to your stuff. Now, you, you talked there about, um, or to your point, that you and I talked about the other day, uh, Brian. The, the thing that you kind of mentioned there was that you know, electronic music, that's kind of the gold mine. But you wanted to kind of step back from that and you wanted to look at the classical aspect of it, uh, not all the way back into like, the, you know, the classical symphonies, not that's not what I mean, but like the classical rock kind of thing. And one name in particular that everybody knows out there in the music realm, whether you like the guy or not, was Jimi Hendrix. Explain to everybody what you were telling me at the time, what he actually did that changed the music world up until now that is still used. One word, distortion. Jimi Hendrix had this signal chain that no one has had before. Before him, the way to achieve like what we would consider this gnarly, distorted, fuzzy sound came from popping a hole in a speaker. That's the way, that was the way to achieve it. But in fact, it wasn't distortion. What it was is just noise that sounded kind of nice. And Jimi Hendrix, like he shifted away from that perspective and it's and he tried, let's let's push, let's push distortion to its limits. Let's see what I can do with it. And so he started bringing unusual pedals and cranking them. No one would ever do that because it sounded rough when you play chords. But Jimmy wasn't into playing chords. He was playing notes. He was playing leads. So he would pop that distortion out to the max. And that was essentially the, the new sound of that era. Everyone joined after him. Distortion was a must for rock and blues guitarists. And then it's starting being used on uh, bass. And later on, they figure out this actually sounds good on drums. And now today, distortion is used on everything. We can't live with distortion in music. Uh, every music you hear on the radio has distortion. Whether it's the kick, the vocals, the melodies, everything is compressed. And when you overcompress, it's distortion. It, it's the best thing that has happened in music, also the worst thing uh, in terms of mixing perspectives because of how loud music is today we've uh, created some sort of barrier where we have to think well how loud do we want things to be but also how clear do we want it to be heard and that's one that was a really big issue i think it was 10 5 years ago you should know about this carlos this was what we considered the the loudness war i think it was during the i think it must have been 2010 2015 where especially with dubstep uh, arriving at the scene, which was this, it wasn't dubstep, it was something that ex became brostep because it was, it, people didn't want it to be part of dubstep because that wasn't like what dubstep originally was. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was, it was this heavily use of distortion, like as no one has ever seen, like this, this signal chains, if you would have two pedals on your signal chain, Skrillex would have 10 and that built itself built a new genre. And that caused a lot of issues because when that blew up, everyone wanted to jump on the same train and ever said, well, I don't want to make my music better than Skrillex. I also want to make it louder. And that created a really big issue for a few long years. And unfortunately, because 
when you work on a radio station, you want to have everything equally leveled. And same same thing when you're DJing, you have to create a standard. So everyone has to meet these requirements. So distortion was one of the greatest things that was invented and also how it was utilized, but also one of the worst things to happen in late era in music. But I can't stress enough how how great Jimmy was and important how he was for our music. Um, outstanding guitarist, melody. He, he had everything you could have imagined. Uh, sadly, no one wanted to take, you know, no one wanted to climb up and be the next Jimi Hendrix anymore. What about the rise of, of uh, bands that came after that and, and individuals that came after that? Uh, and most notably, guys like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Freddie Mercury, right, from Queen. Uh, I mean, he he had his own way with sound. Uh, Elton John had his own way of doing things. Uh, Phil Collins later than that had his own way of doing things. So are, are you saying that, you know, that these guys didn't push the limit in their own re- in their own respect, too? They absolutely did. They absolutely did. But I think what I'm trying to say is that Jimmy kind of set the uh, like, what, what would you say when you start something you like? He's a trend. Yeah, he started this trend. And I think. You know how it goes. People get interested, but they don't want to sound like him. No one, I mean, obviously, Jim Hendrix was the king, but you don't want to be the new Jim Hendrix. Not, not during that time. So people wanted that sound, but they don't want to be called Jimi Hendrix. You know, they don't want to be known for ripping off his gear or anything. But it definitely inspired musicians to utilize distortion more. A good example would be Led Zeppelin, I think. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Page. Yeah, the, yeah Jimmy Page uh, was a brilliant uh, guitarist. Great, and great guitarist. Also, he was, yeah, he was also really good. He was very careful with his rig. And the uh, importance there that he was really good with setting tones. Just everything was very well distorted. He, he would push the limits when it's needed. And also they would, uh, what would you call it? They would create this balance whenever there would not be distortion. Like they had this beautiful contrast of distortion and not using distortion. What's the word I'm looking for, Carlos? When we talk compression, what do we talk about? The dynamic range, that's the word I was looking for. I actually used dynamic. That was so important. That's that's what differed a lot of bands back in the day, was the dynamic they had. Led Zeppelin was a perfect example of that. I love how the, they have these cleans and they were quiet. Sometimes they will build up higher and higher until you reach this one climax. And then it was just like candy to ears. You have a bunch of sounds coming in and beautiful. And everyone had their own way of doing it. But the distortion itself, the use the use of it, I think was heavily inspired by how Jimi Hendrix, uh, his approach to the way he achieved that sound. I don't know about the two of you, but uh, I was... I was fortunate enough, and I don't know if either one of you have actually seen this group or not. And I, I, I know we're going to kind of change it up here for a second, but uh, you talk about finding a unique sound and pushing the limits of things, and that's what led me to to think of this. And I really, I'd completely forgotten about this until you had mentioned that part of it. The Blue Man Group. Now I know that sounds kind of you know cliche, mm. but I mean. Look at what they do. Look at what they do as far as creating sound and and coming up with a performance on just simple things. I watched them. I went to one of their shows that they had here. It took me a year and a half to get in to, to actually see them because they were they were sold out. But I watched them actually create an entire 10 minute piece using only sounds from a telephone and a smartphone. It was absolutely crazy. But the the ingenuity, I think, is um, is largely not there anymore. Okay, take for example, 
and I know you guys don't listen to it much outside of the United States, and I, there's a big audience mostly in the U.S. for this country music, right? Country, Western music, whatever you want to call it. In the U.S., over the last 10, 15 years, about the time frame you said, uh, Carlos, it is turned into this, this, I don't know what it is now. Now it's this uh, a merger of country music and, and R&B and rap and hip hop all into one and, and some rock in there all into one. And it's like, you've just taken four or five genres and you've just slammed them all into one. And it's terrible. There's no creativity here. There's no ingenuity. There's no innovation in in a new form of sound. Do you think that the average person out there, I mean, we talked about before about like attention spans and stuff like that. Do people even care anymore? We started the conversation tonight with, with record labels and things like that. Well, they want to make money. They want to sell a product. And all of this stuff, at least from my standpoint, as compared to all of the points that we've all made of different genres and things that we've listened to and, and different aspects of what it takes to create an attractive sound to someone. These companies aren't doing that. These record labels aren't doing that. So what, what do you think that companies need to do to get back to that in order to create some kind of culture? Or do you think it's a futile effort at this point? It's a really good question. There are a lot of record labels that are probably trying to do that. Or have, well, tr are trying. They are doing that. Unfortunately, they're just not out there. They're not in the mainstream. The big record in my opinion, at least the big record labels, they're just, they they know what people will listen to. Yeah, if you sort of take the average mainstream listener, I guess for me, it's okay. If there's a song that, you know, that I, I can recognize, the one that springs to my mind, I think was uh, Nightcrawlers. And then what was it in 2010, somebody, was it Flowrider or wherever his name is? He then taken a sample of that, used it into, into his label people recognize it they didn't recognize it was him they recognized that 15 second or seven second segments of the original track and then go oh that's i say it's original that might have even been taken from a record previous to nightcrawlers um but the point is that they've taken something they can recognize and they go oh i know that song i liked that oh they take that and then and then again a couple of years later someone else has then taken that segment the exact same sample that might have changed you know the, the pitch of the track slightly, but the the same riff or the same notes are being used, and they've got oh I recognise that one again, uh, and it's just like you say it's, that, it's just that it's because it's something they know. So I guess a lot of record labels now say okay they they will know that song, they will recognise it because they might have heard it from this, and it's just like okay we know that's a winner because they can relate to it. Okay, we'll buy that or we'll sign that record and we'll put it out. And some yeah some record labels that we probably aren't familiar with do that as well. That's never going to stop. But um, there, there are definitely labels out there that are still trying to invent and innovate new music. People have just got to, I guess, be a little bit more open-minded uh, and explore it. It's a bit unfortunate because those labels are often... The labels that are usually do this are usually focused on one genre. So it's like either people know about this uh, label or people don't at all because the genre itself is not appealing for people. But yeah, they do exist. Unfortunately, it's just, you just won't find them anywhere. Like this kind of music, you have to explore yourself. You have to search for it. You have to find someone like a streamer or something that has the one interest as well. So you can, you know, find it on their videos. But other than that, you won't find this music because radio doesn't want it to be played. It's not what it's not what the average consumer wants to hear. Apparently, you know, which is really unfortunate. Let's. We also have to remember that a lot of uh, these labels, usually their artists, are seen as brands, and uh, 
they do share producers. Um, usually, all right, sure, their first album, Ed Sheeran, I think, is a good example here. Ed Sheeran used to write all this stuff. He came up with all these great songs on guitar and all this, but then the other albums are sounding different. If you go and see as to why it sounds different, it's because, well, he's not actually the one producing it anymore. It's people from the labels that are being hired for him to do the work. And that's also a big issue because that means that when you sign a contract of, let's say, three albums, the first one might be the one you wanted to do. And the other two are just going to be what the label wanted you to do. And that is also a very big issue that I strongly disagree and dislike about today's music is that we are just being brands, just like um, influencers, people on Instagram, all they do is use advertise shoes and clothing. That's literally what the musicians are doing. They have a big name. That means the label, their producers can make their music and use their name as uh, a good selling point. And that's where we're at, uh, basically, in today's music, unfortunately. It's one of the downsides of digital music these days, because unless you really search for it, it's not like um, how on on cassette or on vinyl uh, or on CD at some point where you could actually, you, you pick the, uh, you, you pick it up, uh, you look at the sleeve, and it would actually tell you all the different people that have been involved in producing that music, you know, the songwriter, the composer, the producer, the singer. That in itself used to be really interesting because you used to find some songs that, you know, there was artists I came up with, especially in the uh, in the house uh, scene. And it's like, okay, I know this artist. And then as you start reading the uh, the record sleeve, it's like produced by, you know, and it's like produced by somebody that's like, Hold on. So this song that uh, you know, in some cases, if you sort of think back, it's like actually makes sense because they did sound. They have a very similar sound to them. It's like a signature sound of that producer. But it's just really interesting to see at that same time where it's like, oh, that person made that song. Oh my god, that's that's really cool. And you don't see that now. You don't see the people behind who's making the music these days unless you do some, you know, do some Google searching or something like that. Let's, uh, let's spend the last few minutes here talking about equipment. Now, I know that that sounds, you know, we're talking about music. Well, the equipment you listen to music on is, or, or even make it on in your guys' case, is just as important because the better equipment you have, the, the better sound you're going to produce. I was talking to you uh, before we started, Carl, I was, or Carlos, I was um, looking at your, uh, your two turntables behind you. Those are vinyl turntables. Those are vinyl record turntables. I saw the one... And then as you kind of moved to the side, I saw the second one and I thought, oh, my God, you've got two. Me personally, I think vinyl records sound better. I, I really do. I, I really believe that. I've always thought that vinyl records sound better than, say, example, CDs like, um, like, like you just mentioned there. I always thought vinyl was uh, a superior sound. I saw vinyl records and cassette tapes and things like that disappear not long after I got into like my teens and things like that. But when I came to Europe and I go into electronic stores and things like that here, I found, and I was shocked, cassette tapes are not there. Obviously, CDs are still there, but vinyl records are still there. You can still buy new vinyl records. You can buy albums that are there. And I'm sure in the United States, you can still do that. You can go to record stores and, and things like that, and, and you can find them. Are vinyl records, and I, I saw you've got those those new turntables behind you, are vinyl records making a comeback? Yes. In my opinion, yes, definitely. That uh, They have been probably not as big as what they were you know, many years ago, but they are still, yes, definitely. They are making a comeback. And if not for the newer stuff, at least, def you know, the, the older stuff, even if it's 
probably not so much for people that want to go out and do public performing, you know, i.e. DJs and stuff, but more so the collectors. People want to collect vinyl again, and that that's good to see. We just need to see more of it being produced. And you've got vinyl. two turntables. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. I just wanted to mention the vinyls, actually. It's used a lot uh, in, uh, for example, uh, techno DJing and minimal house. Um, you go to these uh, either private parties or lesser known clubs, you're going to see a lot of DJs actually using vinyl. One, it, it, it's, a, it's a different style. And usually when people want to see these artists that use vinyls, it's basically because they actually want a real perform performance as well. Uh, everyone knows that DJing with vinyl, it's not perfect. <laughs> It's not like digital. You will never be able to snap to a beat like that. You have to manually do it. And that itself is a form of craftsmanship and it's really hard. I tried it. I couldn't, even though I know I know how to keep, you know, keep up with the beat. It's it's really difficult. And that's I think that's the people that find it appealing are the ones going to those clubs. And not a lot of people know it's like a it's an underground thing that I would call it. Because it's well, if it's not mainstream, it's that's what it is, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm perfect by any means, but I enjoy mixing vinyl a lot more than MP3 CD. Uh, so yeah, I've got. So you you don't see the ones because I haven't actually got them up yet. But I've actually got the two behind me. I've got uh, two other vinyl record players, which one is dismantled because I wanted to refurb it, and that went really bad. And another one just haven't had the chance to get it serviced, etc. Uh, and I've also got two uh, CDJs, which are essentially just CD players with a, a jog wheel to to do the same sort of effect that you do with vinyl. And yeah, it's those, the, the, the CDJs themselves are pretty easy to mix with. Yes, you can do some really cool stuff with it, like especially when you start doing things like beat loops and stuff and doing some really cool stuff with that. It allows you to be uh, spontaneous when you're playing music and just do some really crazy sounds and get the crowd pretty hype i guess but at the same time for me nothing beats mixing with vinyl the satisfaction when you have spent you know it, it means that you've actually got a good set of ears when you can actually listen to, to the music the songs being played on on vinyl and then just being able to mix them in and get the you know the time because again you don't actually you don't you can see it but it's not as easy to see okay yes i'm playing an mp3 i know i've got a minute left of a track you don't see that you've got a minute left on a vinyl record so, yeah, there's a particular skill there to have, I think, in my opinion, anyway, um, to have to be able to mix that sort of stuff. So, yeah, like I say, I'm not perfect, but at the same time, I, I do enjoy that skill. I think not being perfect in this case is what you want. You know, you're looking at it as a fallacy, but honestly, yep. I think that it's a it's a strength in this case. I think you're looking at it backwards because, as as Brian said, that's craftsmanship. You're crafting yeah. something. And and it's, it's, it's interesting to say that because I've... I don't think I've done it personally, but I've seen people do it. So there used to be, um, especially when I was on CDs, I used to get comments, not blowing my own trumpet, of course, but I used to get comments from friends and colleagues within within the scene that used to go, your mixing is so spot on. Um, you know, you're perfect. You, your beats are matching perfect. And you couldn't tell that it was being done um, live. And I never got any negativity from that, but I've seen a lot of other people that have, where because their mixing is so inch perfect that there was actually being accused of not mixing live it was all pre-recorded sets so you'd actually start seeing people purposely messing up in their mixing to prove that it was live 
So yeah, it's really interesting that you actually pointed that out. And with all of the things that you have out there now, I mean, like I said, all this software that we've got, some of the the big uh, virtual uh, editing tools and things that you can do now, like for example, I mean, we use Adobe Audition around here just for the audio aspect and it is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I didn't even realize the power of what that program itself could do until Brian actually got a hold of it and he went crazy with it. And that's why we all sound as good as we do. <laughs> but um, the... Uh, the thing, the thing that, that I like about the older equipment is it allows you to have that free hand. It, it allows you to do those things. It allows you to be creative. Yes, you can do it. It just, the, the digital thing, like you were talking about with the CDs and, and the, uh, the spin wheels and all that stuff, it simplifies things. But I think, I mean, to me, when, when I see somebody that's up there mixing on vinyl, wherever, whether it's in like a small cafe, I mean, there's a small cafe around the corner from me that people go to and they, they mix music in there. And it is is you know it's it's the two turns the two turntables uh the board in the middle and then it's it's like 16 uh, cases of like vinyl records right because they're always like digging around and running through and then going back and checking their headphones and you know finding out what's lining up and all of that and the DJ themselves they're working i mean they're working they're 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 sweating they're they're trying to get everything right they're thinking they're not paying attention to what else is going around out there they're looking at the crowd the crowds you know to see if the crowd's enjoying if they need to change up but that is in my opinion that's somebody that's actually trying to perform that's real craftsmanship in my opinion regardless of the mistakes you know i, I dismiss the mistakes because it's live it's somebody that's that's actually putting the effort in and this digital stuff, you, you just don't get it. You, you just don't get it. I think now that we're talking about craftsmanship and such, I just want to bring up how it's such a shame that live music is dead nowadays. It's amazing to see people paying $50 for someone who's not singing or rapping or whatever. It's literally just a DJ playing their track. I think that's a big, low step we've taken in music. When I go to my rock concerts, because that's what I go if I want to listen to live music, because what's the point of going seeing my favorite DJ when he's just going to have a pre-recorded track and all he's going to do is wave his hands to, at the people and, hey, look at me, you have a good time as me. It's not entertaining for me. I love to see uh, rock music live because one, usually if you're watching really talented people, they'll throw in something special in there. I remember seeing one of my favorite punk, uh, punk bands uh, rise against and in the middle of this song where they used to have a little calm 30 second section they used to did a two minute interlude just playing solos and it was just this mind-blowing thing it was like who 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 could have seen this coming this is what live music is it's not the music you heard in the first place and that just doesn't exist nowadays and keep in mind that going to a a mainstream artist concert is a lot more expensive than going to a a band's that's that's itself is just a big wow for me yes it is more expensive like i said i went to see phil collins a couple of years ago and uh believe me that was not cheap that was not cheap it was a good show it was a good show don't get me wrong i mean he obviously he wasn't playing drums uh any longer his son was playing and he was he was fantastic i mean nothing beats phil collins on drums but um <laughs> his uh his boy was pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it's it's really sad that um, that things have, have turned into the way that, that it's been turned into as far as live performances go. And that's why I said I appreciate when I see somebody up there with a couple of turntables and and really putting effort into it and, and really, I, I guess you're, you're really, 
you're the performer, right? You're putting on, but but you're not actually, I mean, you're not up there going through the motions and all that stuff, but you're doing it in the form of your music, of, of what you're mixing and, and putting out for the crowd. That's your performance. I think to me, in my opinion, mistakes or no mistakes, anybody else that's out there in that crowd, go up there and give it a try for five minutes. That's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do. It's all fun in games until your your sound engineer switches out your banger vinyl with a chipmunk remix of a little <laughs> 2000 song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you slap the EDM tag on it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I noticed that you was, uh, there was a few... Um, uh there's a few points earlier on i was like is he going to mention that is he going to mention that and no sorry i sorry to uh to really put it all on a down and there by mentioning that term but yeah i thought i better say it brian you having a party i'm i'm a little upset that that we weren't invited no that's all i see okay Uh, you you swedes are crazy uh, you, you Swedes are crazy. That's that's all. All I'm right. Uh, <laughs> we Trust are. Me, we're, we're not even fighting. We're just we're just speaking a bit louder than usual. You know, I heard an interesting thing today. I heard that the Swedish actually celebrate something called Midsummer, where you go yes. around and you you dance around like a uh, a leafed pole and you eat potatoes and vodka and drink vodka. Uh, and not and vodka. And, uh, and no, it's not vodka. It's called uh, Jesus. What's it called? It's this weird. Oh, what do you call this? Uh, it's, let me look it up real quick. It's someone, uh All I want to say is I've seen the film. I've seen how it all ha- what happens next. <laughs> oh, really? <That's- laughs> we actually have one special liquor or spirits that we drink on meal. Not we. I I don't do that. I don't I don't like celebrating uh, like these events, holidays. It's not for me. But there's this one spirit we drink, and it's. It's fairly disgusting, to be honest. It's like the equivalent of uh, the uh, the Swedish herring. Uh, is it herring that we? I heard that is it was it herring? herring. Yes, I heard it was herring. Yeah, yes. it's literally herring, but now it's in a on a bottle. That's literally what that liquor is, and ish, I don't like it at all. But yes, we we do celebrate that. We okay, celebrate uh, a lot. We have a hot dog day. Do you guys have that? You guys have a hot dog day? Really? What? Yeah. We have a hot dog day, cinnamon bun day. Uh, cinnamon but okay now you got my attention cinnamon but yeah that's all me man i'll, I'll be up there yeah i'm coming pancake, up pancake day like these are official man <laughs> i'm not lying these are official like those are national holidays man you guys all right need that yeah I, yeah I yeah up there all right yeah, um, we, have, we, have a pan- we have a pancake day as well do you yeah well you guys got fish and chip day that's 365 days a year i think <laughs> I, I was about to say that's news to me but <laughs> is there anything else that either one of you would like to talk about in the re- in the manners of the things that we've discussed today? I think we can end the podcast with a choir singing a WAP together. From the top, make it pop. That's a WAP. I don't sing. Sorry. No. All right. So we'll, well, you can we'll, be the we'll actually, voice. yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll Speaking, put your, We can auto tune it. I'm sure. We can yeah. Well, yeah. We can auto tune it. Yeah. For sure. That'll <laughs> yeah, all equal yeah, out post. Yeah. But it's his template. So he's, he's, he's putting it all together. So, all right. <laughs> so I want, yeah. All right. So I want to thank both of you for taking the time to sit down today. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. It's nice to talk about something other than politics. And I know that as we just kind of casually drifted into something last week, Carlos, because I, I was, we were going to have you on for something else. You, you're going to actually be on for our next room 101. And I'm looking forward to that. 
But uh, yeah, when we started... I, I might actually take one. I might actually take one of the pieces that I've taken from this conversation. And actually, have it as one of my. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fantastic. When we started talking about music, and then I was talking to you, Brian, a couple of days later about music, I thought, all right, let's just throw together a music podcast on our break room and let's uh, let's see how it comes out or how it turns out. And um, I think uh, I think it was a great conversation. So uh, I want to thank you guys for sitting down today. Thank you to all the listeners. And again, we will be back on Monday for all of your political talk needs and, and all the rest of that. Uh, because yeah, the world is uh, is crazy. But uh, thanks guys for sitting down today. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.